Welcome back. Good to have you. Bill Michael Show. And uh, we are live down here uh, Radio Row in the Media Center. Where it is uh, becoming more and more a buzz. Uh, yesterday was uh, three quarters of the way full. Today, uh, it is growing and growing and growing. The atmosphere is growing, and uh, it's it's always fun. It's always great to, whether it's to see guys, you know, like uh, B.J. Gannum, uh, who does so much with uh, you know amputees for the amputee football uh, game that they've had out here every year, and promoting uh, you know wellness and health for uh, our veterans and military members to athletes to you know people that worked front offices and such uh, we bring in speaking of that uh, we bring in our guy john eisenberg is now joining us on the hotline john how you doing doing great how are you doing we're doing great uh you know this time of year so when you start to think about super bowl and the not only the way is it, it's grown but just the game itself what does this conjure up when you start to think about it well, uh, you know, I think about uh, going uh, back to some of the Super Bowls that uh, I covered in my newspaper years, and uh, it's it's uh, it's just grown so much that it's crazy. I mean, there wasn't always a radio row, and uh, you know, there it wasn't always uh, 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 such a crazy media situation. There was a, a week or two before the game, but. Uh, what I think about is just how massive it has become and uh, that it wasn't always the case, but the NFL is just like a steamroller, just keeps growing and growing. The uh, well, Like you said, it's not the same because it used to be media day was on the field. It's not anymore. They've kind of cordoned that off. You don't get near the field now with Homeland Security being what it is. Radio Row was once a massive uh, amount of radio stations, and now obviously – Everybody's podcasting. We've got, you know, people here that aren't radio stations. There's some writers, there's radio stations, there's podcasters, and some of the biggest stages are not even over the air. These are things that just happen on YouTube and TikTok, and it's it, the, the, the mass amount of media coverage. Talk about that for a minute in covering the world of sports and now what we have access to at our fingertips through our phones and the way things have changed. Well, it certainly has changed, and half half of it is athletes doing it themselves, right? I mean, you know, right. now they can uh, they can uh, have their own channels and do their own thing, and uh, maybe not quite as anxious to t- talk to people. Sometimes, as a result, they'd rather say it themselves. So, uh, uh, it it is definitely changed. Uh, but uh, the the one thing that's the same is everybody trying to. Uh, you know, they, uh, uh, especially today, not afraid to get their voice out there, get their opinions out there. And uh, uh, I think some of them, uh, you know, like to have a little more control over that. So it's very interesting the way it's changed. And with phones and social media, you can you can pretty much do that. Give me your thoughts on uh, these two teams. When you start to talk about matchups, you start to look for certain stories, and everybody's got an angle. Everybody knows that. You're kind of coming down here, and you're thinking to yourself, what am I going to find? What 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 thing? I mean, it used to be you could always rely on somebody doing something stupid the night before a Super Bowl, and that became the story rather than the actual game itself. But when you start to look at storylines, uh, do you just gauge the game and gauge the, the X's and O's, but or, or do you look behind the scenes to say either, one, how a guy got here, like the Kelsey's and their mom and what's going on there and the way the NFL is utilizing all of her personality and such, or, you know, the coaches. And, you know, you look at a guy like Andy Reid, and he's won one Super Bowl. He's been here numerous times. But does he need this extra one to really kind of bolster that legacy, to put him in the pantheon of better coaches? You know, things like that. 
Well, that's what I love. I love the storylines. And, you know, all these, this, this is history every year, regardless of who's in the Super Bowl. And, and uh, it's fascinating to sort of consider the stuff like the Andy Reid story for sure. And the fact that they're playing Philadelphia is just unbelievable. Uh, you know, that in itself, all those years he's been in Philadelphia. Certainly the one that speaks to me, uh, the fact that we have two black starting quarterbacks for the first time. I mean, I've got a book coming out in the fall called Rocket Men about, uh, and it's the history of black quarterbacks in the NFL. And uh, I've gone back and really sort of uh, traced the entire history, going back to Fritz Pollard and then with the guys in the 60s like Marlon Briscoe and and then with Doug Williams uh, finally winning a Super Bowl, becoming the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Uh, that was a long time ago. And uh, they're, they're, uh, certainly the situation for black quarterbacks in the NFL has changed uh, dramatically in the last decade or so. But there haven't been that many Super Bowl winners. And uh, I believe uh, that this year's, I mean, it was, let's see, it was uh, Doug Williams and then it was uh, Russell Wilson was the mm-hmm. second. And uh, then Mahomes, I think, was the third. So, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great thing, the fact that there are two black quarterbacks starting against each other and that there's going to be a winner. And uh, th- that is an ongoing situation in football, and I love to see that. So that, that, that's one that speaks to me for sure. It was interesting because last night at opening night, they had the thing with Sal Palantonio that talked to both quarterbacks uh, about exactly that. And they talked about what an honor it is and how, you know, paving the way and they understand the history of all of this. But then they get to the podium and, and I thought it was interesting. Patrick Mahomes was asked about it. And one of his first quips was, you know what, I just consider us quarterbacks. And it, it wasn't a derogatory comment. It was basically saying, look, we don't look at it as color. We're just all players. We're just all, all, all our guys. We're, we're just all a big family. We're not, you know, uh, a bunch of black guys and white guys that are paired together to go out and do something. We're, we're a family of football players first, you know. So I, I thought it was a very interesting comment uh, in the sense of, you know, we're not making a big deal of this. We understand the oh. history here, but we're not making a big deal of it because we've just been doing this. This is all we know. So I, I thought it was a, 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 a almost a very refreshing side of attitude towards we're just people. You know what I mean? Definitely. And, and that is sort of a universal response. It's interesting if you go back and trace the history and really dig into it, which I have done in the process of writing this book, uh, Doug Williams Doug Williams, all those years ago, the, the first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl, that's what he said however many years ago it was. We've got to be going on 30 years ago at this point or more, right? I mean, it's even more than that, 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he said. And I, I think that's an athlete speaking there, saying, you know, uh, first and foremost, I want to win the game. And I, I, and I want to do my job. And uh, the history – you certainly understand and grasp it, and you understand the importance. And I think when you're through with it and you look back, that's when that stuff becomes more important. And you realize that maybe you've blazed a trail or you've helped people or you really made a difference. But in the moment, there's no doubt. I mean, you're a football player. You want to win a game. You've got your teammates. Nobody's thinking about that stuff really at all. If you are, you're in trouble because the, the other side isn't. And you know, I think you may be in trouble. So I, I think I think that's not unusual for those guys. You know, they're athletes, first and foremost. They're here. They're at the pinnacle. They want to win the game. And uh, I think we can all relate to that. 
John, you've covered a lot of things from Final Four's World Series. Obviously, a lot of special athletes uh, in, in Wisconsin. We've been blessed with a couple of them, Hall of Fame career uh, quarterbacks, both Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. But the end has become similar for both. Uh, Brett Favre wavered years and years and years. We went through the same dance. Aaron Rodgers, who never wanted to go down this path, seems to. Give me your thoughts on on what it's like when you have a quarterback who becomes great or a player who becomes great into the the superstar strata legitimately and then dealing with what we're dealing with and seeing what we're seeing because times have changed from Favre till now even in the coverage via social media, radio shows, podcasts, and things like that. Uh, and it's almost what I've called now fatigue. It's almost like a Rodgers fatigue. But give me your thoughts on uh, the, the coverage of and what's going on with uh, Aaron Rodgers and company. Well, you're certainly right about fatigue, and, 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 and you you got to cut him a break on that because, uh, I mean, that's the world he lives on. It's not the world he created. Uh, you know, the fatigue for sure, people just are, you know, uh, I think it's a story that's just played out repeatedly over the last few years. What's the future? Is he going to be there? Does he like the Packers? Do the Packers like him? I mean, you know, it's sort of, uh, it, it seems like we've been down this road before. I realize there are subtle differences from year to year. And he's getting older. So that definitely changes things. Uh, but uh, it, it is it is never uh, the one thing that's I, I can't think of one. Well, actually, I can think of one athlete. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I'm in Baltimore and I don't know if you saw that 30 for 30 over the uh, over the weekend about the first Ravens team that won the Super Bowl. And Ray Lewis, when he won the second Super Bowl, he really did have a great ending. I mean, he walked out on top. Uh, almost nobody does that. Right, uh, right. And, and so that that's great if you can do that, but it's sort of a miracle. I think this period in a great a great player's life almost always is just tough to watch because maybe they're yeah. not quite as good, and you just don't know, uh, you know, how to. The team doesn't know how to handle it. The player doesn't know how to handle it, and uh, it's almost guaranteed to be awkward. There's a lot of money at stake now, so. Uh, it's uh, it's a tough it's a tough place to be. That that that's all, and it's it's never it's never smooth sailing. Great stuff, John. I appreciate it. And uh, your book coming out is the book coming out uh, in September is called Rocket Men: The Black Quarterbacks Who Revolutionized Pro Football, and you can uh, pre-order it now uh, on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. So it is. John, the pages are up. Great stuff, man. I appreciate it. We'll look for the book and be excited about it then. Get you back on, okay? Great. Thank you. Thanks, John. Talk to you soon. There you go. John Eisenberger, and he a longtime writer for the Baltimore Sun, Dallas Times, covered a lot in his days. Uh, now, you know what? We do this. We go from one uh, one great writer. Now we've got a terrific player, David Tyree, joining us here at the table. Let me uh, turn you on over here. Oh, there we How go. you been? There we go. I'm doing great, man. Over here in the desert 15 years later. Scene of the miracle, scene of the crime, however. I was going to say, so you're, you're sitting here. I was, was going to ask you, what is this uh, What does this conjure up for you? Uh, because obviously everybody knows you as the helmet catch. Yeah, yeah. Right? Good to be known for something, especially on a positive side. Um, I mean, honestly, it's, 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 this is just a tremendous stage. It's a tremendous time of the year. Obviously, the, the, the images of the helmet catch pop back up. 
And um, we actually came in town with, with, with a little bit of a mission, launching the catch camp and serving kids here in Arizona, just kind of leading it to the Super Bowl week. It was something that was a genesis in my mind and heart, and I wanted to get busy. So, I mean, the, the feelings, the vibes, the championship week, it's all here. But uh, we got busy, you know, we got busy on February 3rd through the 5th in, in Glendale, Arizona, and, and, and impacted some kids. It was great. For I, I want to take you back to the game sure. prior because you were in Green Bay. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and a cold game. Cold. And, and it was interesting because coming into that game, the the, the Packers were on fire. And yep. I thought, this is just almost throw your helmets out. You mm-hmm. know, give me your thoughts coming into that game, coming into Lambeau Field in those conditions, and not only winning, but winning kind of emphatically and knocking off the Packers. Yeah. I mean, it, I think we, we just felt like we had something special. Um Stern, I think everyone inside the Giants locker room, it wasn't like we were invincible. We knew, you know, we, we lost to Green Bay in, in the second week of the season. Mm-hmm. And we got mopped up pretty good. But by that time, um, you know, we were, we were priming the pump, and we just knew that if, if we could put some pressure, um, make plays, Plaxico Burris might have played one of the best games of receiver, tough, tough one-on-one matchup. Couldn't against, stop him. Couldn't and stop. they didn't adjust till late in the game. It was, it was literally one of the best performances I've seen from a receiver. And there's so many, but he just... He proved his medal on that on that on that on that Sunday, but I think we just felt like we had something special in our minds and our hearts, and it proved uh, against a really tough Packers team. Obviously, like you had mentioned, you guys got beat up pretty good by the Packers early in the season. Yep. And every time I've talked to a team that has won a Super Bowl or gone on to face uh, another team in a championship, they say we f- we felt something special. When did that click for you? Because it always there's a play or a yeah. game when you go, okay, this is it, we got it. It's a great question. I think for me, it actually clicked in a it was it was a way game. I actually missed it. Um, I had lost my mom that that, that uh, year so i missed i missed the washington game and the buffalo game but the set we ran the ball like like wildfire against buffalo and then most people point to the fact that we didn't sit our 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 starters against the patriots the last season for me it was the second half of the buffalo game rain starts coming down and we start running a rock Ahmad Bradshaw goes for like 80 uh, Brandon Jacobs is, is is running through the Buffalo defense, and that clinched the playoffs for us. For me, I'm like, man, the rain came, and I think everything really came together, and then we got a chance to give the Patriots our best shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and we did, and we still lost. That's how good they were. You you, you look at this, you know, you, you, you knocked off a really good Packers team, and then you yep. come here, and it was supposed to be a magical season for the Patriots, and, and you were able to accomplish that. I mean, there's nothing anybody can ever take away from you and go, yeah, but. There's no yeah, but in that season, <laughs> man. You guys came out of, out of I don't want to say nowhere, but you, you did it. Yeah, I mean, like, when you're talking at, looking at this, you know, like, for us, what makes it special is 17-year drought for New York. You know, um, obviously a flagship, you know, even even the Packers, a flagship franchise. Yeah. But a uh, big big drought in New York, and we got it the right way. You know, we got it the right way. It was a skipper that had to overcome his own hard attitude. He had to soften up a little bit, listen to his players. It was so many different storylines for individuals um, as well as this team galvanizing. I think that's what makes uh, – it's, it's not just the team, it's a story. And uh, the story of New York and the pedigree, the under, underdogs – uh, you know, the, the, it was kind of that immigrant gritty mentality, and I think we we didn't we didn't take anything for granted. 
and we, and we showed up to play Sunday. Uh, real quick before we let you go, you got your DavidTyree85.com you want to go to. So yep. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, man. I mean, like everything is there from our podcast, Catch the Moment. We just launched that last year. Super excited. Had an exclusive interview with Eric Reed that just dropped. I'm sure everybody wants to check that out. But, um, I mean, like it's really just all things new for me coming out of the front office, launching the Catch Camp, which will be coming back to Jersey. We just had a successful camp here in Arizona, about 60, 60, 60, uh, 65 kids each day through, uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And so just in that in that mode of, of, of service and uh, every, everything that you can find is right there on the website, DavidTyree85.com. Who you got in this game? Uh, I got I got Chiefs. I, I, they're my preseason pick. Yeah. I think uh, the determination and the grit of Patrick Mahomes is a little bit underlooked. He, he, he's, he's, he's got more uh, he's got more in the Lions' mane than, than his little pretty boy uh, pretty boy Kermit the Frog <laughs> voice. So uh, I think he's just a, a dynamic competitor, and they're going to get the job done. David Tyree, a hell of a catch. Great guest. Appreciate you coming by, man. Appreciate Thanks everything. so much. There you go. That's David Tyree. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. we got a lot more out here at the Convention Center, Phoenix, Arizona, coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. We are glad you're with us on The Bill Michael Show. We are live. We are here in Arizona and uh, in the Phoenix Convention Center. Uh, and uh, we've got, you know, Radio Row, the media center, if you want to call it that. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors who bring us out here each and every year. Thanks to our friends at the Milwaukee Admirals. Go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. That's for single-game tickets, promotional tickets. They've got promotions going on, concerts after the game. If you want to take a group, you want to buy the end zone, sit right behind the glass down near the, uh, down near the, the net, you can do that. They have so many good things going on, and they're efforting their way towards hopefully this year, postseason in a Calder Cup. That's our friends at the Milwaukee Admirals. Go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. That's MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. Uh, great to have uh, David Tyree on. Great to have him on. Uh, good stuff from him. And to talk a little bit about what it was like to play in that game going against the Packers and uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl, obviously, to to win that game, to put themselves in the Super Bowl and get that perspective is awesome. The one thing I didn't get a chance to ask him, and I had to get him out of here, but I wanted to ask him his thoughts on, on Eli Manning. Because uh, Eli tends to be kind of the – and Eli's got a couple of rings. And Eli tends to get, you know, the two years he played extremely well and had the pieces around him and obviously some good coaches and such, and, and they got he, he did enough to get him a ring. And so I wanted to talk to him a little bit about Eli Manning and his thoughts there. but Because um, you kind of look at Peyton as the, the end-all, be-all, but, you know, Eli, I mean, when they start arguing at the supper table at Thanksgiving, they're, they're equal. So kind of interesting in that sense. Um, coming up a little bit later on in the program, we're hoping to uh, Michael Silver – a uh, long-time reporter, we know that. Uh, he's now out working out in San Francisco. We hope to touch base with him coming up here in a little bit uh, if we can. And sometimes you just never know. Sometimes people just show up. Later on today, we're going to talk to Rachel Barbeau. She's going to be one of the hosts of uh, the Cigars with the Stars with Ron Jaworski and Mike Ditka coming up uh, on Thursday night. That's going to be taking place. Uh, Randy Grimes, the uh, former center. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we'll talk with him not only about, uh, you know, the game, but also they do a lot with AIR, Athletes in Recovery, and uh, he'll give us his story, but uh, also fascinated to talk with him about uh, the exodus of Tom Brady. Sean Merriman, the former Chargers linebacker, now going into the MMA. Eric Kramer, 
who is uh, the, uh, the the Bears' former quarterback. We'll talk with him. Nick Lowry played for both the Patriots and the Chiefs, the kicker. Going to talk with him uh, and get his thoughts on this upcoming game as well. But uh, good stuff from all of them. And uh, thanks, everybody, for being patient and kind of, you know, bearing with us because, you know, people tend to fly fly by so you just never know uh we're hoping like elijah asked if we're going to get aj hawk we're hoping to get aj later in the week yes uh we're going to talk with him and if there's anybody that you see down here that's specific and you want to see if we can't grab him we can't we'll, we'll give do our best i see uh, peter king getting up over there and uh he's uh, just exiting the sports deck which is the sports nbc sports and peacock and love to get peter's perspective on a few things and chris sims and Saw Boomer Esiason floating around here a little while ago, and we're trying to touch base with him. So, uh, and maybe Doug Gottlieb off of uh, Fox and the Doug Gottlieb show. We've always enjoyed Doug. We're going to have Scott Farrell from Farrell on a Bench and the Sports Grid, who I did his show yesterday. And uh, our buddy Farrell is going to come over and do some stuff with us as well. So we're looking forward to that. So got a lot of good guests lined up this week. And that's some of the guys that aren't even booked yet, as opposed to the people that are already booked that we're going to have. But uh, sometimes, so Ben, I, I'm sitting here, and we get done with uh, Eisenberg, and John Eisenberg, and we're talking with him, and we're normally going to go to break. And literally the representatives for David Tyree threw a piece of paper in front of me and said, here he comes. He wasn't even scheduled at this point. But it's like, you know what, we got five minutes. Let's throw him down and, and, and get a shout-out. Also, which is, you know, interesting, and you'll find that out. Ben, we got to get you to these things, man. Now that you see uh, all the sights, the sounds, and you're watching the live stream and such, are you kind of salivating to be here while you're watching uh, Ebo roll around on the sand in Mexico? Not at all, Bill. Uh, I'm absolutely <laughs> thrilled at uh, hosting the morning show here and not being out there while the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was going to say you sound uh, like you're completely enthralled and Tot- enthusiastic. Totally content. Uh, you know, every morning you get a chance to get up and instead of coming down here and mingling with the, the, you know, rabid Eagles fans that, you know, you get a chance to, you know, see Rowdy in the morning. That's a nice thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's awesome. He says sarcastically. So there you go. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. We're going to try to uh, have somebody else come over and join us here at the table. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. We are live down here in Arizona. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at the Nice Ash, theniceash.com, 323 West Main Street, uh, downtown Waukesha, one of the best cigar bars I've ever been to. Uh, short of maybe Rocky Patel's place down in, uh, down in Florida, man. It's one of the nicest bars. Plus, they got really good entertainment on the weekend. Stop in, and you can even watch the big game there. That is, uh, that is our friends at The Nice Ash. Go to TheNiceAsh.com, TheNiceAsh.com. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We are live. We are on Radio Row. We're in Phoenix, Arizona, Phoenix Convention Center, Super Bowl 57. It is now uh, five days, five hours, 56 minutes, and counting away from kickoff between the uh, the Chiefs and the Eagles. Joining us here, a uh, longtime friend, good guy, Michael Silver, who is with Bally Sports. He's with the San Francisco Chronicle. What's your podcast now? It's on the volume. It's called Open Mike. Okay. Cur- current guest, a guy named Joe Montana. So kind of, yeah, we were okay. happy about that yeah, one. Yeah, we kind of heard of him. You know, 
know, he's the guy in the Guinness commercial, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you've been you've been doing this a long time, and obviously you've covered the Packers for years and years, even though you're on the West Coast now. So uh, when we sit here and talk about Super Bowls, everybody in Green Bay, it's always Super Bowl or bust. We've had two quarterbacks, Hall of Fame play, and only two Super Bowls to show for it. Give me yeah. your thoughts on right now that what, what's going on quarterback-wise and, and the longevity and history to where we are with Green Bay. Well, Bill, it, it kind of feels a little bit like uh, early 2008 in that uh, you've had this great run uh, with a future first ballot Hall of Famer. In that case, it was Brett and now Aaron. Um, and you wonder, is just the inertia on both sides organizationally and in terms of Aaron headed towards a breakup? Um, you know, unlike the previous two years, the Packers are not inclined to say, Aaron, how can we possibly, you know, make you feel good and bring you back? I think their attitude is more akin to if you're into it and you want to come back and you're going to work with these receivers and have an off season, we're, we're good. But anything short of that, eh. And knowing Aaron, that probably will lead down a path where he's like, all right, fine. Let's see what else is out there. He does have the control because of the way the contract is structured and the Packers' obligation. I think that leads you to believe that whatever they would get back at a trade is not going to be some massive haul of draft capital. Uh, and so then it's doable. Um, and it's just a question of, you know, who's willing to do what. But, you know, you look at teams like the Jets, where Nathaniel Hackett is now the, the offensive coordinator, the Titans, the Commanders, and I would throw the 49ers in there as someone who's been all over them for months. Um, before Brock Purdy's elbow injury, their plan was very simple. It's going to be Purdy next year. We'll try to develop Trey Lance on the side, and, um, you know, we'll use those rookie contracts to our advantage and keep loading up. But now with the elbow injury with Purdy, I think you need at least a, a plan to go along with Lance. And obviously, if they were w- willing to go out and get Aaron – that's more than just a wait till Brock Purdy hopefully right. comes back plan. That's a we're going after it in a different way. Uh, and so, you know, that's those are all the things you got. And, um, you know, with the Packers, when they did move up for Brett, they'd seen Aaron really shine uh, internally. He had gotten into that cowboy game at night and, and played really, really well mm-hmm. um, when Brett was hurt. Um, you know, Jordan Love, it's less, you know, he's he clearly got better. Um, and right. he did look better when he played um, in relief of Aaron this year. But I don't think you're, you know, it's only happened. Montana Young was a shorter period, but it's only happened twice in NFL history right. where you go first ballot, future all of favor, handoff to another one. The Packers had a three-plus decade run of it. Um, I think the odds of it being Favre to Rodgers to love, and you continue that, uh, you know, we're not high going right. in. No, I, I completely agree with you. I've said all along, and you tell me what you think outside looking in, that I, I think Aaron wants to re- he wants to end his career in Green Bay. I think the Packers would love to run it back with him. Mark Murphy goes out as the president coming up in a couple of years because he has to because of the restrictions of the codicils. So he's going to be gone. I think they would love to be able to ride off together hoisting a Lombardi trophy. I think sentimentally they want to run it back. Logically, you need to trade him. You need to get draft capital. You need to move on. You know, the money, the whole thing. But I still think if Aaron wants to come back, they say, Aaron, we'll, we'll do what we can. 
I people ask me, I, th- that's the question. You know, they, they all walk around, they talk about what's going on and Patrick Mahomes and this and that, and then they come over here and they go, hey, is Aaron coming back? That's, yeah. I mean, that's what everybody's talking yeah. about. I think 60% of me says he's under center in Green Bay. 30% of me says that he would get traded somewhere else. And 10% of me says if he can't play in Green Bay and doesn't get what he wants, then he could just walk away. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's interesting in that it's really up to him. And uh, at this point, right, because yeah. the way the contract's structured, uh, I, I just I would love it if they could make it work and find a way to, you know, load up around him. So he might not get everything he wants in terms of like, I got to have my guys, I got to have a rental car, you know, whatever. But get him, you know, in position, because even late. This year, the Lions game wasn't great, but before that, you know, whoa, they yeah. they made a little bit of a run, and you started to see it. Uh, and look, I, I mean, I've obviously defended Aaron in a million ways over the years, and I've tended to believe that the organization was not aggressive enough uh, in the Favre-Rogers windows, but uh, I do think it's fair to go. You lose Devontae. You've got these new receivers. Uh, it is important to try to get a, a, a chemistry with them over an offseason. And the franchise quarterback job is different. It's mm-hmm. You're kind of presumed that you're going to be participating in a more year-round way, even though right. it's voluntary. So uh, the, the combination of Aaron re-signing, apparently knowing Devontae might be gone, and then being like, oh, hey, I'll see you guys basically in July – you know that it wasn't the best setup. Yeah, the optics of that, and we and we saw it. Right, no, but right. it, 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 the optics were bad. But like, it took a long time. You know, yeah. Romeo Dubs flashed early, and then Watson. It took a long, long time. Yeah. And you know, we saw Aaron's uh, overt frustration. Uh, you know, late in the season with his receivers, but it's like, yeah, some of that maybe could have been worked out a little bit, um, you know, at an earlier stage. Talking with Michael Silver, he's with uh, Bally Sports and also now out with the San Francisco Chronicle. The um, My thought in this, the, the one nobody's talking about is the last time he got doubted, the last time they when they drafted Jordan Love and they said, you know what, he's slipping. He came back and won back-to-back MVPs. Now, yeah. MVPs are not ultimately the goal in Green Bay. Yeah. But I get the sense that wherever he plays, he's going to he's gonna explode this year. Yeah. And he's going to say, I'm not done. I told you so. Another I told you so yeah. moment. How dare you doubt me? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, one thing I – Russell Wilson this year was an anomaly. But one thing I've come to understand, starting with covering Joe Montana in 1989 as a young beat writer, is that – when you have one of these truly transcendent quarterbacks, it just changes everything, and it almost always is really, really, really good mm-hmm. and, and covers up a lot of other right. weaknesses. So, um, you know, Tom Brady left New England and went to Tampa. Oh, my, Tampa's winning a Super Bowl. You know, it, you know right. I, I tend to believe that uh, usually when you have one of these guys – uh, great things happen. I think this year was an anomaly. I don't think it means Aaron's falling off or he's done. I think he might have, you know, shortchanged himself in terms of, uh, you know, prep. And I don't understand exactly what that takes. And I'm sure he was ready to play, but maybe he 
as a leader with new receivers could have, uh, you know, gone in a little heavier. Yeah. Talk about this game coming up. Obviously, there's a lot of history here. Uh, we're talking about the, the first matchup of black quarterbacks in the NFL. We're talking about Andy Reid facing our, our against the team that, that basically canned him. Uh, and then obviously, and, and I've said all along, people said, nah, he doesn't need it. But I, I thought Andy Reid's been to numerous NFC and AFC championship games. He's finally won one. But if you want to go into that pantheon, you got to win at least two. You know what I mean? And, and for as, as vaunt, vaunted as Andy Reid is, and I think he's a terrific coach, you can't just keep showing up and not getting one and walking away with just one when you've had so many bites of the apple. Well, I mean, the first one took a lot of pressure off right. because he's done so many good things. And right. he did no, get that first one in, in very dramatic fashion. I will remind people they were down 10 points midway through the fourth quarter against mm-hmm. a great 49er team. Uh, but... Yeah, uh, you know, his second Super Bowl with the Chiefs was suboptimal. His offensive line was in a terrible state, and they got manhandled. And, you know, you wonder with this Eagle defensive line and also a great offensive line, can they win the trenches to a point where they'll just blow the Chiefs off the map? I tend to think not. I I feel like this is a pretty even game. And then if it's even, I go, well, Mahomes, uh, you know, again, mm-hmm. back to the transcendent quarterback thing. Um, the one thing I don't know about the Eagles is, are they front runners? Have they gutted out games? Are they equipped to come from behind, you know, having not really done it? And if the Chiefs get up early, is that going to change things? But I, I really see this as an even game. And I think the coaching edge goes to Andy Reid uh, over Nick Sirianni, who's done a really, really mm-hmm. fine job, obviously, in his second year. But, um, you know, the edges I see the Chiefs Chiefs having would be in two very significant areas uh, quarterback mm-hmm. coaching before I let you go if you're going to say I'm going to you're obviously with Bally maybe do a little betting and I'm going to throw some money down where does Aaron Rodgers start I don't know what betting is I don't know <laughs> I, I'm vaguely familiar that so you still have your house thing. is what you're saying yeah and, and I you know and I don't have to bet on things like that I'll just try to report so um, you know I, I think keep an eye on uh, first, you know, I, I first I, we need to know what Aaron wants, right? right? But I would keep an eye on a team like the Jets that is um, really, really good in a lot of ways and really missing something in a major way. The thing they are missing is everything Aaron is, not just a mm-hmm. great player at quarterback, but a guy who can take that youngish team and explain like hey this is yeah. what it takes to elevate um, and you know Robert Sala has got that defense in a really good spot they've got playmakers all around uh, some pretty good pieces on the offensive line I would keep an eye on the New York Jets so I, I think our hearts say keeping back in Green Bay and I think our heads say watch out for New York yeah that sounds right Michael always a pleasure to see you man great stuff in the podcast again it's open mic on the volume it's on YouTube and every audio streaming platform thank you so much for having me absolutely bud there you go look for that we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break more from radio row coming up after this of course oh okay that's that's a lot of ready this is the bill michael show on the wisconsin sports zone radio network
Welcome back to the program. Good to have you on board today, the Bill Michaels Show. Good day today. A lot of good stuff. We are uh, broadcasting live Radio Row here inside the convention center in Phoenix, Arizona, getting you ready for the uh, Chiefs and the Eagles Super Bowl 57 coming up in about five days, almost exactly five days, about five days and five minutes, as a matter of fact, from kickoff here. And uh, joining us now on the hotline, a uh, longtime author and uh, has numerous books out. Uh, if you've been following his career, The Catch, Coaching Confidential, How About Them Cowboys, Brady versus Manning, the new one coming out called Once a Giant, uh, Gary Myers now joining us uh and gary how you been man good to talk to you how are you bill i haven't talked to you in a, in a couple of years probably it's it's been a little while but it's always great to get you on uh and i was glad when we had a chance to see the name pop up on the board to say gary's gonna be one of our guests so uh first of all you got a new book coming out let's let's break that down a little bit and talk a little bit about what that covers life uh, and tragedy and such after football yeah, it's called Once a Giant, uh, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. It's about um, the 86 Giants, the Super Bowl champion Giants, um, and how they've dealt with the challenges, you know, physical, emotional, mental health issues, financially, uh, financial issues over the last 35-plus years. And uh, it allowed me to attack a subject that I've really been passionate about, for 10 years or so, and, and that's what happens to these guys when they're in their 50s and 60s. We've heard so much, you know, over the last decade or so about CTE and uh, early Alzheimer's, early Parkinson's, just the issues that these, <laughs> excuse me, that these guys are dealing with. So, you know, I decided I wanted to write a book about it, and I, instead of picking players from different teams around the league, I just decided the best way to approach this would be to uh, focus on one team. And um, the 86 Giants were one of the better teams of the Super Bowl era. I live here in New York. I had a relationship with a lot of these guys. And their stories can be, Bill, I mean, it could be the Packers. It could be the Seahawks. It could be the Broncos. Uh, their story, stories are, are just incredible, but it could be any team. I just picked this team to write about, but it really um, takes a deep dive into what happens to these players when they reach this point in their life. It's interesting because when you talk about it could be the Packers, I, many of the Lombardi Packers, many of which have since passed, uh, you know, I always ask them, you know, with uh, the debilitating injuries, uh, being wheelchair bound at the end of your life, uh, and I, I, I talk about, you know, playing for Lombardi, and they still recite the stories as if it was yesterday. And I say, with everything that's gone on and where you are health-wise and what you and your family and such have had to put up with, you know, was it worth it? And they all breathe mm -hmm. that breath and say, I'd do it all over again. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of guys, Harry Carson being one of them, and he, he suffered from uh, post-concussion syndrome for the first few years after his career ended and it, it took a lot for him to learn how to manage it, but he's pretty um, adamant that if he had to do it over again, he wouldn't uh, a guy like Lawrence Taylor, who has you know, su suffered a lot of injuries during his career and um, has had some memory issues and has people helping him um, with his scheduling and stuff like that. You know, at first he said, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure I would. And then he takes a deep breath, like you said, and goes, no, nah, I would do it. 
because mm-hmm. it made me who I am. Um, so I, I think that most guys would say they'd do it again, despite some of the uh, issues that they're dealing with. But it really does make you wonder when it made me wonder for sure when I sat down with some of these guys and they detailed what's been going on in their lives. I look at today's game in the Super Bowl, and I'm, I was talking about this earlier in opening night, and every, it's almost like NASCAR. Everything is sponsored, you know, from people's jackets mm-hmm. to the Lombardi Trophy presentation to opening night to the introduction per player. It, it, everything is money. Everything is sponsored. Has the league, in your opinion, from where they were to where they are today, done enough? Have they gone over and above, or have they fallen woefully short still to this day of the injurious profession that is uh, the National Football League? Well, I I think they're getting better. And it wouldn't have been hard to get better considering where they came from. You know, players from the the mid-80s through the mid-90s got one year of health insurance at the end of their career. Now they get five. Now, you can still say that's completely inadequate, and they should probably get lifetime health insurance because most of the problems that come about are after five years. Uh, hip, hip replacements, knee replacements, shoulder replacements, things of that nature. But um, there are some funds that these players can tap into uh, once their health insurance has expired from the league, but they still need to get health insurance on their own. Um, the pension, they made a significant change in that in 2020, where it used to be to be a vested veteran, you had to play three years plus three games. So you had to be into your fourth season. They cut it back to three years. So players who played during this era that I wrote about, who hadn't been able to collect their pension because they only played three years, are now getting $19,800 a year. Now you can say, you know, it's a multi-billion-dollar league, you know, nineteen thousand eight hundred, but it affected seven hundred players. So um, it is a pretty good chunk of change. Is it enough? It's better than nothing. That's about all I can say about that. Um, they've created a legacy fund um, in two thousand eleven, and they added to it in two thousand and twenty in the CBAs, where in addition to the pension, players from that era now collect can collect up to an extra $300 a month. Again, is it enough? Probably not. It's better than it's better than nothing. That's in addition to the regular pension. So for, for a league that's probably up to about $18 billion a year in revenue, um, you always think they can do more. Gary, uh, as a writer, I want to pick your brain while i got a couple minutes here. we got about two minutes left. But there's so many stories coming into this week. There's the retirement of Tom Brady, the back and forth with Aaron Rodgers, uh, Andy Reid going up against his old team, the uh, first meeting mm-hmm. of black quarterbacks in the history of the Super Bowl. I, I, there's just so much that is the NFL, that machine that churns it out 24-7, 365. What intrigues you about all of this that's matriculating right now? Well, certainly I think, you know, historically the two black quarterbacks is a big story um, considering it was 25 years ago, 35 years ago rather, that Doug Williams became uh, the first black quarterback to start in the game. So it's almost, that wasn't the first thing that popped in my mind when this matchup was set, which I think is a good thing. It's almost like ho-hum, you know, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. 
there are a lot of black quarterbacks in the league now, and the fact that they're matching up in this game for the first time, it, it, to me it's almost an afterthought, which I think is a real positive how far uh, we've come in that area or how, the, how far the league has come in that area, although they're certainly very deficient in number of African-American coaches. Um, I, I, I really think the most intriguing thing to me here is Patrick Mahomes is, Patrick Mahomes is 27, by the time he's 27, Tom Brady had won three Super Bowls. He was three for three. If Mahomes wins Sunday, he's two for three. And if there's anybody that can catch Brady, it'll be Mahomes because he's off to a great start, but it just means staying healthy. And I've enjoyed reading how Tom has become somewhat of a mentor to Mahomes and, and speaking to him on the phone and encouraging him. Um, Mahomes is just a fantastic player, but it's all about staying healthy and the team staying competitive. Gary, it's always great to talk to you. Always appreciate your insight. Look forward to the book coming out. There's pre-orders for it right now. If they want to get the book, uh, where would they get it? Yeah, it's it's available right now on Amazon. And um, I always appreciate people who who buy it early um, and show that commitment to it. I, I will say this, Bill, and you know I don't have a big ego or anything like that, but this is by far and away my best book, and it's the mo- most meaningful book that I've written. And it's, it's filled with just some really, truly heartbreaking and heartwarming stories. But I do mix in some of the fun stuff about how the team became a brotherhood with practical jokes and pranks and stuff like that. So uh, I, think it's, I think it's a really good read. And um, I've told people you don't have to follow the Giants or care about the Giants, even care about football. But I think this is a really important and informative book to read. Gary, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much for coming on the program, okay? Bill, it's great to talk to you always. Thanks a lot. You too, pal. Talk to you soon. Gary Myers. Get him at Gary Myers NY over on Twitter. You're going to want to hear what Marquez Valdez Scaling had to say coming up next. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show right after this. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.